He's just come straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence. And here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Yeah. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. I am joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, one hour after the full-time whistle in the West Country derby against Gloucester, an hour and a half ago I was in pretty low spirits about my rugby supporting life. Now, quite the opposite. How are you feeling mate? Well, mate, it's, it's not. It, it, it's not often I'm I'm speechless, and to be fair, it doesn't make for great listening or great um, great podcast making. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm just still in absolute awe. You know, our, our season was was slipping away. Felt like poetic justice in some ways that Matt Banahan mm. uh, with with you know record tries at any ground. What was it? Forty nine tries at the wreck when he went in had sealed our fate and had put an end to all Bath rugby hopes. Um, but not to be an, an incredible comeback that we are so often on the losing side of, but not to be this time able to pull it out the bag, four tries to all important five points in that last 20 minutes. Absolutely incredible comeback, incredible turnaround. Um, yeah, I think the best 20 minutes of rugby I can remember in a long, long time. Fantastic yeah. stuff, Jim. I mean, on the 60 minutes, Tom... I'd have taken a losing bonus point. The, the way we were playing, the way Gloucester seemed to be growing into the game, nothing was going right for us. Um, you know, we'll kind of talk a little bit about that first hour, not try and dwell on it too much. Um, but yeah, I'd have taken a losing bonus point and thought, right, that's one point in the right direction, and we've just got to hope that one of the other kind of top four candidates slip up, and we beat Saracens with all five, and then we scrape in. But to to win. And then to win with a bonus point, having only scored three points in the first hour of play and, and kind of, you know, looked really poor. It's, it's remarkable, remarkable stuff. It, it, yeah, it, it just seems to be slipping away from us. Mm. You know, um, guys who have been playing so, so well, guys who have been in top form, Reese Priestland, who has been kicking everything from anywhere in the opposition half, as we've said before, was missing straightforward kicks, missed nine points um, in that in that first 40 minutes. Ben Obano, who's been a beast in the scrum, been absolutely killing everyone he's, he's been up against, was struggling, was giving away penalties. And it almost just seemed that old kind of Bath rugby, um, you know, I guess standard now that we're, we're used to, of just falling at the last hurdle, not be, not having the bottle to, to back themselves and to, and to get over the line. But uh, it, it just makes me so happy as a, as a Bath rugby fan. After all we've been through, on this podcast, and and you know, in my, you know, the last few seasons as a Bath rugby fan, that we're able to turn it round, um, and you know, second in the table now with a with a genuine chance if we can get a decent win against Sarries, and if other results go our way of a home semi final, unbelievable. And mm. I think under this group of players, there's so much potential to come. Stuart Hooper looked buzzing in that um, sort of post match interview on on BT Sport. So so much to be happy about, and so much to look forward to as a as a Bath rugby fan, I can't believe it. Oh, some of, you know, I'm thinking, Tom, of those dark days we had last season where we threw, I think, three leads away in the last five minutes. Have they all been banished in your mind tonight? Well, they might. You know, you're only as good as your last performance, G. Mm. In fact, you're only as good as your last 20 minutes. Uh, I think should be the new, <laughs> the new kind of. Um, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I can barely articulate myself. <laughs> and, and I'll give you another question. You, I think you described last week's performance against Sale as the best performance in five years. Was that 
20 minutes, I guess, more impressive than that whole 80-minute performance at Sale? Yeah, it's, it's difficult. I, you know, I don't think it was the, the best performance, 80 minutes, because you know the fact that we had to do what we did in that last quarter meant that we, you know, we did play pretty poorly in that first 60 minutes. But in terms of a comeback, I can't remember a better comeback from a Bath rugby side mm. under the circumstances in you know all the time that I've I've watched the club. The season was um, on the line. Yeah, season on the line, top four finish on the line. No one really chasing us. So you know, not like we're really defending our, our position in the table. So I think under the circumstances to do what we did in that last twenty minutes and the guys that stood up: Tom Dunn, Sam Underhill, oh. Ben Spencer, oh. Joe Thock and the oh. off the bench, Anthony Watson, oh. incredible from the back as always. Those guys to stand up as they did. The future is really, really bright for this club and, and, and for this playing group. And um, it's, it's been, as we've said, so many difficult times as a Bath rugby fan. And um, we've got such an amazing playing group. We've got such an amazing history, club, um, you know, the, the rep, it's amazing as ever. Uh, and now I think finally it's starting to be to be recognised and, and be realised. And mm. um, yeah, it's great stuff. I think... The only thing to say is just the great shame that there wasn't 1,000 Bath fans there there to witness it. Obviously, hugely disappointing news, particularly for those that had been lucky enough to secure a ticket that um, due to the new government guidelines today, Tom, uh, they were not allowed to uh, watch that match. Um, I think particularly disappointing, but not something we want to dwell on here. Uh, Bill Mitchell, sorry, on on Twitter does point out how good would it have been to able to actually be there. And of course, Bill, it would have been fantastic. Um, but with this young group of players, there are going to be plenty more days, fingers crossed, like this as a Bath fan when we will be able to go and watch them. So um, that's hugely uh, positive, positive kind of way of looking at it, I think. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, those guys, unfortunately, we weren't able to get tickets. But, you know, all supporters who were going to go would be gutted. But I think they would have got home, switched on the TV, able to watch the match. Pulled and, their air out and, for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, exactly. I think the, the hairlines of Bath rugby fans are probably, and the fingernails of Bath rugby fans, are about as bad as they've they've ever been. But um, yeah, as I say, we're into the top two in the league, mm. and um, you know, continuing to build that confidence. Only one loss since the restart, top of the table uh, since that restart. So I think you know, although those fans will be disappointed, I think that will be overshadowed by. Um, you know the delight from from that result and that comeback. Mm. Yeah, Tom. I think you know we want to try and keep this this brief, a little bite-sized reaction podcast. So I think it is important, however, that we kind of look at that first hour and maybe explain or try to explain what was going wrong. Uh, for Bath in that first hour, we looked really flat, lethargic, and the basic skills which have been kind of serving us really well since lockdown. So I'm thinking of the scrum, the line-out, the maul, the kick chase and the kicking at sticks. Five real basic skills which, you know, you can do kind of irrespective of the opposition at times. We were really kind of off the mark with those. What else would you put that first 60-minute performance down to? I think, yeah, as I said, I think a few key players looked out of sorts. You know, when it's when it's 3.13 at half-time but you've missed nine points from, from the boot... That's a very different game if Preston gets these, and Preston's been getting them, you know, all season really, but particularly since since lockdown. Mm. You know, top point scorer in the league, um, and I think we've just, you know, got used to being able to rely on him that he'll nail those points. Thirteen twelve, as I say, is a very different game going into halftime. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, I, I think we were just, I, I don't know what it was, and and 
maybe it was the pressure, maybe it was just a few nerves. But I think we, we weren't quite as kind of penetrating and as effective as we have been. We were very lateral. Um, again, as, as we saw in the only defeat against Wasps, we weren't clearing out the, yeah. the, the breakdown as well as we should be. We were letting guys like Paledri, Ackerman, um, etc. get over the ball. And, you know, the referees... Part of Ruskin as well. Yeah, and the, and the referees, they don't need much time at all to, to give that the penalty the opposite way. And, and we had, I think, three or four turnovers in that first half, which really made life difficult because we weren't, you know, we weren't playing the right areas. Um, but, you know, like, as I say... When when that try when Matt Banahan scored that try, it, it looked it looked to be done. And ultimately, we've said this on the on the receipt on the on the losing side so many times. It doesn't matter what the score is at sixty minutes. You've got to learn to close out that game. And you know, Gloucester couldn't do that. Ultimately, they started making some errors themselves. They mm. started um, missing tackles. They started kicking it straight out, for example. Um, and we started getting the scrum penalties as well, which which we weren't getting in that first half. Um, and we made them pay, and that's what you got to do at this level. And I think that's the reason that you know we're a top we're top four contenders and and, and potentially challenged for the title. And and you know they've really struggled. Mm. And I, I think kind of moving to why we were able to turn it around, Tom. I think the bench had a, a huge impact on on this game. A couple think, of big decisions at half time. Yeah, so a couple of huge decisions at half time. So to replace Josh Matavesi, obviously friend of the podcast, please check out that interview last week that we did with him. If you haven't him off Red Path on, who I thought looked um, his slick uh, his slick self kind of really shored up that defensive area in, in the centre. I think Josh would be disappointed with the way he let um, Lloyd, the Gloucester fly half through for their opening try. Um, you know, he's been so good since lockdown. I think he will really will be disappointed with that. Redpath came on, uh, looked really secure, didn't make many errors like we occasionally have seen from him. And I think also Josh McNally, uh, the lock, came on and really made an impact in in, in the in the collisions and in the carrying. I thought he kind of underlined that he, at the moment, is our second best lock behind, obviously, Captain Charlie Yule's head of Elliot Stook. I think there was a big night for McNally. And I think also Lewis Boyce really yes. stepped up tonight. Ben Urbano was off colour in front of Lions coach Warren Gatland and England coach Eddie Jones. He was off colour and Boyce had a big job to do there and he came on, he not only shored it up, but he made a bloody good impact as well. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's so strange to see Ben, I don't know if it was the pigtails, I don't know what it was, <laughs> but he just, just wasn't quite himself and, um, you know, I think as a as a prop in with games coming thick and fast it's so demanding on the body maybe yeah. he had a, a bit of a niggle maybe he just wasn't quite feeling 100% but for him to drop to the knee a few times at scrum time is, is very uncharacteristic and I, you know I don't expect to see that again no. um, for a long time but Boyce came on showed that he is an equally uh, class operator and, and kind of was so aggressive at scrum time won, that pe- won those couple of penalties um, after the scrum hadn't been going our way um, and really dominated. Carried hard as well. He's good over the ball. And a key um, rip inside our 22 absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Daylight robbery mm. uh, to, to rip that ball back. Toby Falatau as well uh, would be one I, one guy I'd mention. A um, couple of really key turnovers in, in good areas showing that you know he's got the kind of a bit of his nous back, I think. Yeah. And, and knowing when to be involved, knowing when not to. Not, as we said before, falling over the ball at the wrong times. Um, as I say, showing showing his, ex, his experience there. And then I guess, gee, the other guy we should mention um, coming off the bench... Joe Thokonasi, what a what a pleasure to see him back. He's absolutely box office, isn't he? Mm. Uh, you, you can just tell when he's around, when he's um, you know, when he's around the ball, um, when he's when he's got hands on the ball, he's just 
of classy rugby player and I think showed that in that in that bonus point score unbelievable I mean phenomenal I think that was the headline news going into the game Tom Joe Thock and Asiga back uh, on the bench on the wing I thought they might bring him on at half time I just felt like they needed a spark just something to go their way in the end it proved that Tom Dunn was the spark which we needed I thought it was going to be uh, Joe Thock and Asiga but as you say for that bonus point try the balance to keep his feet there stay kind of on upright and then find the inside ball to Spencer after he'd made the half break. It was just fantastic. And it's just a glimpse of what we can expect with, with Thock and Asiga. And that back three, Tom, is looking phenomenal. Because although Rory was maybe a little bit quieter than he has been since lockdown, uh, Anthony Watson, I thought, was magnificent mm. on the night. Two little half breaks he made. Um, so firstly for um, our... Uh, our First, our third try, uh, he kind of made a half break, really got them struggling kind of in defence. They honey-potted towards where he'd made that break. The ball came out, Underhill made his half break into the five-metre line and we pushed over from there. And then the same for the bonus point try, Tom. He collected it from the back again, kind of ran back on himself sideways, made another half break. It meant that they were... um, you know, a little bit short on the blind side. It was identified by Spencer. The ball went out to Thock and Asiga, back inside to Spencer, and we were in. And, and Anthony in front of Warren Gatland, as I mentioned, solidifying his places. You know, one of the world's best fullbacks. He was fantastic on the day, and uh, yeah, that back three is looking exciting. Yeah, he's Watson, as we know, is is genuinely world class, and I think. You know, obviously we might be a little bit biased here, but I think for a lot of rugby fans, he'd get into get into the World Fifteen. He is just phenomenal, and to come back from a, a couple, you know, a week or two off with injury, and to be that explosive, and um, you know, that, just that dynamic from the back, just so dangerous, scything runs when he gets the ball. His kicking's come on so much under the high ball. He was just imperious as he always is. Um, yeah, just fantastic. And, you know, Rocco Duguni, I thought as well, um, it was clearly a tactic to kick to him. I think he fielded um, it well, and I think he, he, he generally dealt with it with it, with, with it really well. And, and then McConaughey again, slightly quieter, but we know his class. Mm. So um, such exciting options with, with Thock and Asiga coming back. Um, and we forget the younger talents that we've also got coming through, Gabe Hammer-Webb, Darren Atkins, Tom de Glanville in in that back three as well. So mm. as I say, like the future's so bright. If you're a Bath rugby fan, I think finally that the drought feels like it's starting to end. We might not win the league, you know, this year. We might not even get through. We might not even get to the semi final. I mean, we, we put ourselves in box off position to do so. Um, but we're we're putting daylight between the likes of us, Gloucester, us, Quinns, us, Northampton Saints, in a way that we've just not been able to do. We've been mid-table for the last few seasons, con- consistently scraping into that that top six. Now we can look past that, I think, with this playing squad and, and this, co- this group of coaching staff. We can look past that and we can actually look up the table and think we're going to be genuine contenders when these guys start to mature into the Bath mm. And um, it's just such such a long time overdue. I mean, it is mad, Tom, that we've spent 10, 15 minutes now on this podcast and I don't think the name Ben Spencer has come up. And that is, you know, a crime, quite frankly. What a fantastic performance, again, from Ben Spencer. You could see his leadership in that first half, really trying to get the boys going. I thought his box kicking in that first half really did relieve a lot of pressure at times. But in that last 20 minutes, he was absolutely phenomenal. Just everywhere on the field. Clearance kick, you know, one clearance kick, which he gets, kind of goes 
goes a little bit to his left and then bombs it like cross field over Ollie Thorley's head into their 22 metre line was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, yeah, he was great again and to, to score that last try. The fitness on the bloke is just a joke. He's absolutely everywhere. There is like there's two Ben Spencers on, on that field. And I think, you know, listening back and just thinking back to when we were struggling a little bit as Bath Rugby fans and kind of the team was struggling, we always said, God, a good scrum half or a top quality scrum half and a top quality fly half would do so much to turn this team around. And I didn't think that having a top quality scrum half would have as big an impact as it has, but it's had a huge huge impact he was phenomenal again and has been every game since since the lockdown yeah and i think you know i think if if you've listened to this podcast since since we started up and you know most of the time has been um you know we, we, it hasn't been the happiest of times in, in, on a lot of occasions g um and i think we've almost as you say potentially quite optimistically looked ahead to um, securing Andre Pollard, securing um, you know these world class halfbacks that I think everyone agrees that that we need. Um, we spoke about Ben Spencer before it was even kind of a rumor, um, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, and before we we were clearly in talks with him. We spoke about Alex Zosky as well as the other option when Saracens obviously went into the the turmoil that they're in. But I don't think that that you you or I really appreciated quite the impact that that he had. But I think it's now clear to see that. We we already have, uh, as we said, a lot of the ingredients to make a, a top quality rugby team. But he has just brought an extra level of class to that position first. But I think also he just kind of brings it brings it together. Mm. He's absolutely everywhere, as you say. Whenever there's something that happens on the field, whenever there's a breakdown, whenever there's an opportunity to make an interception, whenever there's someone to to, to offload to, whenever the you know there's someone that who needs to scrabble and, and defend as well he's always there he he is an absolute class act you, you talk about eddie jones warren gatlin being there he's obviously going to be in the squad i think that's that's fairly uncontroversial he should 100 percent be in that that line squad in my view he's certainly in the top three um scrum halves in the in the british and irish um uh, kind of regions <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, yeah i, I, I fantastic Tom. yeah i'm going to have good things to say about him he's been He's just been bloody fantastic, hasn't he, since he's come in. And, um, yeah, long may it continue. A couple of other boys who kind of we really should point out as, as being outstanding. So, Tom Dunn, I mentioned he was the spark. He absolutely Talk was. about Lions. Wow. Get him on the plane. <laughs> he's got to get in the England squad first. But, yeah, I completely agree. Well, not necessarily. No. I mean, Gatlin was there. And, kind of, you can't, you couldn't ignore the impact he had in changing that game around. Phenomenal performance from Dunny, and particularly that first try. His second try is just a pushover. But that first try, he recognises that they're starting to come through the mall, and he just breaks perfectly down the blind side and scores fantastically. And even his second try, but mate, the second try, yeah, yeah. He, has, he has to get it over the line. Yeah. He's a he's a proven try scorer now. Yeah, I know. He and um, yeah, he's he knows how to get dot the ball over the line, and yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I think there was a long list of players. Well, there's not a long list, but there's a there's a short list of players. Can't think of the top of my head who have not played for England but gone on straight to the Lions. Um, mm. Christian Wade, did he do it? Hugo Monnier, those kind of guys that that have gone on and just been picked straight for the Lions. Um, and 
Why not? Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, lots of rugby between now and then, but Tom Dunn is absolutely going in the right direction. And if I'm honest, I think that Eddie Jones there again uh, tonight, he uh, he must be considering him for his England squad. Dunn, fantastic. A guy who's already in the England squad. Sam Underhill. Sam Underhill, yes. fantastic. Crunching about, but also real nice outside break in the lead-up to our third try. So Sam Underhill was, was, was fantastic. He's really st- starting to play his best rugby in a Bath shirt and it's so great to have him consistently without A, an injury or B, uh, playing for England. Tom, I think we should probably look to, to, to wrap this up. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish by asking you one question from Ed Scott on Twitter uh, who says, should we be pleased with the amazing comeback or disappointed to have got into that position in the first place? A top four side would not have let those tries in at the end. Is Ed being way too pessimistic there? Ed, get yourself a drink. (laughs) Top four side, top two side, I think is what you mean. I I think he's saying if it was a sale, they wouldn't have let us score. Right, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. But I mean, (laughs) fine. I mean, uh, yeah. Ultimately, yeah, you know, we played poorly in that first hour, but it's how you respond. And the top teams, as we've said so many times, just learn how to win. And it feels like we're we're starting to do that, in, in my view. Um, you know, we, as I say, we're top of the league since since the restart. We've had some easier games early on, but ultimately we've beaten some decent opposition, both at home and on the road. And I think, I, I, I personally think, you know, looking ahead to the top four, top four battle now. I mean, we'll, we'll probably do a podcast will we in there in the mm, meantime. Yeah. But we're fourteen wins now. Wasps twelve, Sale twelve, and then um, who's that team in fifth? Bristol, <laughs> Bristol three. Um, Bristol in twelve, Bristol with twelve wins as well. So we're two wins ahead. If we can get the win against Saracens, then it's done deal. But even if we don't and results go our way, we're still in that top four because if you're joint on points, it will come down to wins. So we're in a seriously good position here. We could even secure ourselves uh, a home semi-final, which would be unbelievable from where we were pre-lockdown and from where we've been the past few seasons. People have spoken about Stuart Hooper as potentially being completely the wrong call. People have spoken about some of the signings we've made, about being, um, you know, I don't know, short-sighted or, um, or, you know, the guys we've let go being, uh, you know, on the opposite side tonight, for example, being the wrong guys to let go. And I think that that Stuart Hooper and, and co are starting to prove everyone wrong. And I think, Ed, you know, get behind the boys now. Ultimately, it's an 80-minute performance, as we've said so many times. It's been against us so many times, but we've proven on this occasion that that, that that we can do it. And I think we've only got to beat Sale or Wasps or Bristol, potentially, which I think is 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 imminently doable. Yeah, and I think you've got to win when playing badly. And, and Bath did mm. play badly tonight, and yet they won, and they won with a bonus point in a West Country derby against Gloucester, who were definitely well up for that, and played okay. So I think you've got to win badly. So I think you must be just pleased with that amazing comeback. Because, you know, if you're not, I guess that's why we're Bath fans. This is this is kind of the nights you live for as a Bath fan. So enjoy it. One more game to come, and then potentially two more games to come in the playoffs. Um, we'll be previewing that Saracens game uh, in, in next early next week or oh, uh, bloody nervy isn't it yeah so, to that. so that's a big one so do just hit subscribe in wherever you get your podcasts uh, and that will come straight to your device when we get around to doing it follow us on Twitter follow us on Facebook follow us on Instagram check out our interview with Matavesi check out all our other podcasts and share the word 
with your friends. A great time to be a Bath fan, a great night, a great comeback. Um, and this is, again, a real another thick night in the thick and thin roller coaster ride of being a Bath fan. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for joining me, Tom, uh, and enjoy the rugby.